Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with your gardening quandaries. My guest this week is Alana Karma, who is the Royal Horticultural Society Schools Programme Manager. Our thanks to Suttons of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. Several bits of news uh, this week. I was at the Rochford's International Rose Trials at Letty Green in Hearts. It's really amazing what Paul Rochford has done. Beautiful plot, bit of old meadowland cultivated, and 68 new varieties of roses from uh, breeders around the world, all planted, ready to be tested and judged for the best over the next two years. While I was there, I met uh, the specialist fruit grower, Will Sibley. Will's been on this podcast in the past. Uh, And he was telling me about a climate change trial at Brogdale. Brogdale, of course, has the national fruit collection, thousands of different varieties of apples, pears and plums. And they've logged the peak flowering of each cultivar of uh, all the apples they grow, for many years. And it's a very good indicator of how the climate is changing. And they find that the flowering overall is now 16 days earlier than it was 30 or 40 years ago. They've got another trial with uh, polytunnels, one with the ordinary temperature, and then another polytunnel with the temperature two degrees higher, and the third one four degrees higher. The results on that are really quite worrying. At the higher temperature, a lot of our heritage varieties, like the Cox's Orange Pippin, wouldn't really be uh, suitable to grow if we do get that four-degree overall average increase in winter temperature. We would still be able to grow the higher temperature apples, things like Gala and uh, Pink Lady. But I just wonder whether some of uh, our heritage orchards that are being planted in schools shouldn't now include some of these uh, higher temperature varieties just to be on the safe side. Will was telling me too about a hailstorm in uh, France. Been so busy over the last two weeks or so, I haven't seen much television or read the news. And he tells me that hailstones the size of tennis balls came down. Two or three people were killed with them. And it's absolutely decimated several of the horticultural nursery production units in that area. It just goes to show how those of us who grow things for a living 
are entirely in the hands of uh, Mother Nature. Will's always a good fellow to chat to, uh, and he has uh, an olive orchard up in Harwich, three years old, and already they're picking ripe olives, apparently, and hope in the not-too-distant future to have their own pressed olive oil. At present, they're just uh, selling the fresh olives. He says they're pretty easy to propagate. You can uh, root them from soft and hardwood cuttings. And, of course, with Ciella disease, uh, particularly in some parts of Italy and Spain, England could well be a clean place to propagate olives. So there we are. There are pluses and minuses to changes in our climate. Our guest this week is Alana Karma. Uh, she, she's the uh, programme manager for schools for the Royal Horticultural Society. And of course, uh, they do a tremendous amount of work with school children right across the country. Alana, can you sort of outline to us uh, the programme that the RHS is uh, now active in, in the case of schools? Yes, so uh, so what we do is the Campaign for School Gardening. Uh, it's a programme that we've been running since 2007. Um, and the idea is really just to encourage schools to get kids outside and getting in touch with nature, understanding how to grow food um, and feeling the benefits while also building skills um, that they can develop while out in the garden. Um, over those years that we've been running, we've grown to sort of 40,000 members. So that's actually grown from schools, but also now we're seeing a lot of community groups joining, youth groups, um, lots of people who just want to get young people um, outside. Yeah. So it's, um, it's getting big. <laughs> it is indeed. Well, when you talk about 40,000 schools, yes. awful, an awful <laughs> lot of people... And you have area representatives, don't you, going out to schools? Yes, so we're part of the RHS's communities team and that also encompasses our outreach team. Uh, so we've got outreach advisors dotted around the UK um, and they will work with community groups and schools um, and just try and give that sort of extra helping hand to get people growing. Now, I'm particularly interested this week because you've just announced winners from your school's competition. Now, now, can you tell us the framework of that? How do you sort schools out? How do you sort the different ages of children out? How do people take part? All those kinds of things. Yes, uh, so it's very difficult. So um, we have been running our flagship competition, I'll call it, which is School Gardeners of the Year uh, for eight years now. And uh, the competition has three different categories so we're looking for a young school gardener of the year which is someone aged 5 to 16 we're looking for a school gardening champion of the year which is a teacher or an adult that is inspiring young people to grow and we're also looking for a team of the year so that could be a gardening club it might be a whole class it sometimes is the whole school um, so we search high and low across the UK trying to find these amazing representatives of what people are doing um, out in their schools uh, at the moment. And when you say 5 to 16, there are, there are categories for each key stage at schools, isn't there? Yes. So the way it is broken down, uh, Young School Garden of the Year is split into four 
key stage categories. It's very difficult to put a five-year-old up against a 16-year-old. As you can imagine, their, um, their knowledge is very different. So we break it down into four categories. So it's key stage or the Scottish equivalent. And we have a winner from each of those. And then an overall winner is chosen across there. And there is one winner chosen for champion and one winner chosen for team. We launched the competition in January and schools are invited to nominate someone for one of these awards. Um, and then we paper judge them, have a read of what they've supplied us, uh, pick our finalists, and then the finalists get to go away and make a, a film that really represents what they do and, and why they love gardening, why they love being outside. And we have a lovely day where we get to watch all those videos. Um, and we're not looking for horticultural excellence in this competition we're looking for passion we're looking for people going out in their communities maybe helping others people who've got a really good understanding of why it's important to grow and to get outside so it's been a fantastic competition this year we've just as you said we've just announced the winners and it's great we've got a lovely winner for young school garden of the year called william who's 11 he was just fantastic and really encompassed what we were looking for now the videos you know i've seen one or two of them from several years ago it's surprising what schools can do now to show somebody a long way away sitting in an office what the school is like what their gardening conditions or plant growing conditions are like and the children actually perform very well to camera don't they they do yes it can be difficult we have a very large range of schools that take part so it's really lovely to be able to see these videos and see like you said exactly what they're doing they're very innovative uh, you have a lot of city schools so this year all three winners of the different categories so young school gardener champion and team they all came from cities this year, um, which is really lovely because it just shows that that urban gardening is definitely coming through. Last year, we saw a clean sweep from secondary schools, which, again, was really pleasing for us because secondary schools is generally a harder age group to get gardening um, going. So that was really exciting to see. And yes, they're very innovative. In any space they can find, we'll find schools taking over their school car parks with pots and raised beds or growing on their roofs or anything like that. They, they'll find a way, which is really, really cool. I'm really happy. The, the clear perspex cycle racks are quite useful for frost protection in the spring, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Make use of anything they can find. They're very resourceful. Yeah. And, if, and if you get uh, um, primary and infant school children interested enough, some of them will actually carry it through into the comprehensive education, won't they? Yes, we really hope so. Um, William, our, our winner this year, he's 11. Um, he's actually going to be going off to his senior school um, in September. So we really hope that that passion will follow through um, to that school. Cause he's in gardening since he was seven at his school now. Um, so we hope that he'll take that with him. And we think that the school he's going to that you know they're aware now that he's won this competition and i think they're prepared for that now and they know that he's going to come in and hopefully kickstart a bit more gardening in their school so um it's great to see that transition and a lot of the older category winners and finalists this year are also going on to study horticulture in college or they're doing qualifications at their settings at the moment so it's lovely to see that transition from, yeah, very young all the way up through um, to hopefully into a career. Now, you also give an award for champions, uh, and it's my experience that they're absolutely crucial. If you've got one person at a school 
who uh, has a passion for growing things and goes in and waters at weekends, uh, that's what you need as a starting point. Uh, and, and you recognise this in the Champion Award? Yes. I mean, as you said, it is vital for the you know ongoing use of the garden to have someone that will champion it within the school. It's very difficult with the pressures from the curriculum, Ofsted, everything, to try and find space within within the school to grow, um, having the time, all that kind of thing. Um, and we do find that it's usually at least one very, very passionate person that keeps it going. But it also requires a leadership team that believe in it, a head teacher that believes in it. Um, so for us, this award is really important to just recognize, really, these people that are going out there and using their time to give these skills to young people. Um, our winner this year is actually a parent volunteer. So she has actually, she's incredible. She's gone and educated herself how to grow food because she recognised she lives in a flat, she's in London, and she realised that her kids were growing up not really knowing where their food is coming from, equally children around them in their community. So she went and taught herself how to garden, how to grow food, so that she could bring it back to her community. And she set up a community garden um, and they've got about 50 other families involved in it now and they all garden together. And then what she's done is taken her knowledge to her son's school, which is Ashmount Primary School in London, and developed a garden there. And now you've got a space that all of the kids there can enjoy. They all know, they all now understand how to grow food. They can eat it. They can use it in the school kitchen. And again, the families are coming into the school, helping to keep it going. So it's very sustainable. And that's really what we want to recognise, because it's that passion. She's giving up her free time to come and get that going, um, and it's really incredible. I mean, I've been watching with some interest Pershaw School and, and uh, Christian Foxley, yes. who's the winner of the Key Stage 4. He was one of our finalists, yes, for Key Stage 4. And he's going on to Pershaw College, and, and I think one of the scholars at the school last year is already there, so yes. an established practice is being set up. Yeah. And in Pershaw especially, plenty of jobs in that Evesham area with horticultural crops, nurseries, all kinds of horticultural activity. It's fantastic. We we do see a few, quite a few young people that come through our competition actually do end up going further into, into horticulture, which is just brilliant because that's what we want. We want to inspire people to continue that journey, um, even if it's not going to be their career in the future. At least they've built skills. They've got a good understanding of why it's important to be outside, why it's important to protect this planet. Christian is a, an amazing student. What was interesting this year, we did have quite a number of young people that are suffering from particular different anxiety or troubles and things like that and I think that's a real testament to how horticulture can be very therapeutic for young people. I think for all of us quite honestly Alana. Yes. You know, <laughs> if you have a tough day and, yep. uh, and you walk Getting out, out in the garden. <laughs> yeah fresh air yeah, yeah. just takes your mind off things. Yeah. Uh, now if, if somebody listening uh, is connected mm -hmm. to a school and wants to uh, get involved in the competition yep. next year what do yeah. they need to do? Uh, so the competition will open again in January next year. Um, the best thing to do is to go to the Campaigns for School Gardening website. Um, you can either register your school um, or if the school is already registered, just contact us 
via the information on the website and we can add that particular individual onto the school's account. And then they'll receive our newsletters, they'll receive all the information um, about the competition for next year. But from January, it'll all be live on the website anyway, so you can have a look there. Um, it's very simple to enter as well. We just ask for a little written statement about why that person or team is special. Why do they deserve to win? Um, so that's that's it, really. It's quite simple. Good. Uh, Alana, perhaps you'll remind me. In January, we should uh, come back to this uh, and on the podcast, just tell schools. Yeah, uh, that would be great. That if they want to uh, enter, they yep. need to get onto your website. Um, it's schoolgardening.rhs.org.uk. And there we are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put that uh, address in our podcast notes so it's available for everybody. Brilliant. Thank you very much for having me. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. They call it Flaming June, and goodness, it was Flaming June last weekend. I was out in the garden on the Saturday. Searing temperatures, and and not ideal either for the uh, really big planting that we've been doing at Hyde Hall. It'll take a little bit of nursing and some very careful watering to get that re-established. And the exhibitors at Hampton Court Palace uh, Garden Festival... I'm afraid they sweated it out a bit too that weekend. I mean, it was so hot that even some of the hedging on gardens outside got scorched. I was interested to hear that the Dibley family, uh, with their speciality streptocarpus, found on the Saturday when the temperature went uh, beyond the 30 degrees centigrade, the whole lot flopped. Apparently that's what streptocarpus do in the wild. You know, they survive by uh, just collapsing and wilting when the temperature goes very high. And then as it drops, up they come again. Unfortunately, by the time of judging, the temperature was well below 30 and they were up again. A really magnificent display. The uh, high temperature at home had its effect too. Uh, I've got a few apricots on the tree and they've uh, been sitting there two or three little uh, laterals with uh, very thick clusters of fruit. But they were sitting there green and bullet hard. And then almost at a blink, they went from green to yellow. And uh, I'm just watching them very carefully. I don't want the birds to take 
uh, or start pecking at what few I have got. But at this time of year, it is all picking. It's almost a full-time job picking the few raspberries and strawberries and blackcurrants that I grow. Uh, but it is a time of plenty. And to be quite honest, I love those mornings when you get up early uh, and the sky's blue and you can sense there's going to be a really good summer day on its way. What's on? Well, it's the Rydale Rose Festival on the 6th of July at Rogers Garden Centre at Pickering. One of the few retail nurseries still budding and grafting woody plants. So if you're anywhere up in the northeast and you like roses, make sure you pop in and see them. It's also the Great Yorkshire Show, 9th to the 11th of June, and the floral tent should be worth a visit. A word or two about turf and lawns. You know, when the weather is really damp and warm and the grass is growing at a pretty rapid rate, then you need to cut at least once a week. In a perfect world, you might do it uh, twice a week if it is very wet and very warm. Uh, And this is where some of the robotic mowers come in, you know, because they're just clipping the top off all the time. doesn't really matter too much what the weather's like. If it turns hot and dry, then the grass, of course, is going to come under some difficulty and it's worth raising the mower blade just a little bit and so there is a longer blade of grass just to keep that plant greener and more healthy through the dry spell. My thanks to Sutton's, sponsors of this podcast, and also my producer this week, Rich John. I look forward to speaking to you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.